All right, I'm turning this evening to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5, and we will be looking at and considering this evening verses 31 and 32 of Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, as we continue to expositionally work through the book of Matthew, and specifically over the last few weeks and in the coming weeks, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. We're going to begin this evening by dealing with the subject of teachings on divorce, teachings on divorce. It goes without saying, this is not one of the easier subjects to deal with, Uh, but it is a statement that we need to consider and a subject we need to consider, especially as we go through the Bible in a verse-by-verse manner. Now, let's just point out and understand together that this is one of the points of why we believe so strongly in a systematic study of God's Word. This is also why we believe in our church of an expositional study where we go through a book, we go through a chapter, we're going through the Word of God verse by verse. It puts us in a place where we must deal with the subject in front of us. Uh, We do not gloss over it. We don't just simply say, well, just kind of read that. Uh, We want to deal with it. Uh, How often uh, do we hear um, a sermon on this text? Um, I can probably remember in my lifetime, uh, unless I went and sought it out, I can count on one hand how many times I heard a sermon on these two verses. Uh, On this subject, uh, this subject uh, seemed to be one of the subjects that was often kind of glossed over or uh, sadly people did not want to deal with it. Uh, But it is, this is a subject that preachers have tended to avoid. Uh, It is Uh, I believe the uh, picture of disobedience to not uh, preach God's word as it is, to deal with the subjects as they are. And uh, so this is a subject that sadly over the years uh, has been neglected. Uh, Systematic study also prevents us from uh, finding hobby horses to preach on and to teach on the same subjects. Uh, We should not shy away from difficult passages. We should actually embrace them. Um, I would suggest to you that apart from the Holy Spirit, every passage is a difficult passage. Uh, Every portion of Scripture without the Holy Spirit giving us discernment, uh, it is a difficult passage. But because of the failure uh, of systematically studying and expositionally preaching the Word of God, uh, we have found that many have never actually even been uh, exposed to what the Bible actually teaches. On divorce. Now, there are a number of different opinions. There are a number of different philosophies. I would suggest to you, depending on the church you go to or have gone to, you might find two varying opinions. You might actually find more than two. You may actually find varying opinions in a congregation regarding uh, what this particular subject is dealing with. So we must be careful that we don't just choose to only study and preach what interests us and just simply ignore the rest. 
Often people use terminology, I'm not sure I like this term, but often we hear people say, we don't want to be unbalanced. I don't, I don't necessarily like that word, the unbalanced Christian life, but if you get so into one or few particular subjects in Scripture and you ignore the others, you miss the entirety of the whole. And so this is one of those uh, subjects we want to deal with. So it is a very good thing that we are working our way through the Sermon on the Mount in this fashion, taking each subject, each topic, and we're dealing with it face to face. Um, it is interesting. Um, if, if you are uh, interested in commentaries, um, there are some commentators, uh, preachers over the years, who have dealt with it and they've jumped in with two feet. Uh, they have expounded greatly on it. They've provided a lot of background information on uh, what was going on at the time, why this was so, uh, such a pivotal teaching in the day and age in which uh, Jesus was teaching this particular subject. Others, uh, I found even in my study this week, uh, some did not even have a comment on it. They just simply went from verse 30 to verse 33. It was almost like no comment. There was no statements. There was no scripture references. They just moved from one to the next. Uh, I don't know if this is a pattern, uh, but I did find that some of the more modern, more contemporary preachers of the day were the ones that were tending to skip through it. Um, I don't know if it's a pattern, just an observation. It may not mean anything, uh, but it seems to me that many of the older preachers and commentators were dealing with the subject in a much more uh, right-down-the-line uh, fashion. Now, I think it's, I think it's obvious that some of these things are easier to skip. Some subjects in the Bible, we look at them and we say it would be easier if we just skip it, just move on. But we've got to remember that the gospel of Jesus Christ concerns every part of our life. It concerns every aspect of our life. We often associate the gospel with our conversion, our repentance, our belief in Jesus Christ, and we should. But let's not make the mistake that the gospel also is to infiltrate and be a part of all of our life, uh, including institutions such as marriage. And that's exactly what is happening here. Um, everything that the Lord is telling us is not for our harm, but it's for our good. He wants us to understand what does the Bible teach on this? And again, um, people that have been troubled by this subject or many interpretations of it uh, realize it is surrounded by many difficulties, but a lot of the difficulties are because of man-made opinion, man-made philosophies. So we have a, in our, in our modern Christianity today, we have a tendency to make scripture kind of twist it and contort it to fit what makes us feel better about the subject instead of saying, okay, here's what it says, here's what it means. Uh, so we're not supposed to manipulate Scripture to make it more palatable or make it more uh, stringent. We can be guilty on both sides of that, can't we? We can, we can water something down, but also be careful that we don't make something more than what God intended for it to be. Now, of course, we have to be careful of our own ideas. Uh, a subject such as the teachings on divorce comes with a lot of emotion because there are some people who have been directly affected by this. There are other people who've had family affected by it. There's other people that have never known anybody, which is becoming more and more rare for you not to know someone. Uh, however, they are there. 
Um, so there are people that there are people that clearly say this is what I think about divorce. We're not concerned so much about what we think about divorce. We're concerned about what does God's word say about it. And one of the ways we're going to arrive at that is to fully understand the background of what was happening here when Jesus made this particular statement. Uh, we are tempted often to take today's modern circumstances and try to uh, transport it back to Jesus's day and say everything in Jesus's day is exactly the way it is today, but you're going to find that's not the case. Even how divorce was viewed, what divorce was even about in Jesus's day has changed dramatically from Jesus's time to the year 2021. Now that doesn't mean that the teaching of it, what he was teaching has changed, it just the man's opinion of it. So this is one of those six statements where Jesus says, but I say unto you. Uh, this is that common formula we have seen, that common theme where Jesus makes the comment, it hath been said or ye have heard. He gives what the, the understood teaching or the understood principle was. And then he says, but I say unto you as a means of kind of correcting what has been said. Remember, Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He did not come to put it aside. He came to fulfill the law. But when we get to this section in the Sermon on the Mount, remember the Lord in the sermon is showing the relationship of his kingdom, all right, and the teaching of the law of God. Okay, so there is this relationship between his kingdom, God's kingdom, his children, and the law of God. The law of God that was given through Moses, right, to the children of Israel. Jesus already told us that in the very beginning of this sermon when he said he did not come to destroy but to fulfill. He, he, remember, he told us that until all is, until all, that heaven and earth will not pass away. One jot, one tittle shall no wise pass from the wall till all be fulfilled. But then remember, he said this, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men, so shall he be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And now we know that Jesus then proceeds to display his teaching with that as our background. So when we get to the teaching on divorce, remember our background is still what we saw in verse 20 of Matthew 5. That except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, bearing all that in mind, that long introductory statement, remember these contrasts. He is comparing not the law of Moses with his own teaching, but what Jesus is doing is he's, he is dealing with the false interpretation of the law by the Pharisees and the scribes. Okay, so remember, he's, he's not coming and comparing, here's, here's Moses and here's me. He's dealing with the false interpretation of, those, of that thing, of Moses. Okay, some people get the idea that it's, it's Moses or Jesus. No, the Mosaic law had its intent. It had its purpose. It had its meaning. What had happened is the interpretation had been twisted. So, the teachings on divorce are exactly the same thing. 
He's not changing anything. He's dealing with the false interpretation. He didn't come to correct the law of Moses. Why? Because the law of Moses was God's law. God's law was given by God Himself to Moses. Okay, the Lord's purpose in this, as with every other subject we've dealt with, was to correct the perversion, the corruption, the false interpretation that was being taught to the people by the Pharisees and the scribes. Okay, so I think we're probably clear on that. So Jesus is honoring the Mosaic law. Okay, he's, he's, not, he's not doing away with it. As a matter of fact, he's, he's, going to, he's going to remind them, here's what the law actually says. He's primarily dealing, again, with the question and the perversion and the twisting that the Pharisees and the scribes had done. Now, of course, Jesus does this perfectly. He's especially concerned with the question of divorce. That concerned with exposing the false teaching of the Pharisees and scribes with regard to this matter. That's with every other thing, and, and divorce is no different. So what I want to do, and I know tonight we are not going to get all the way through this, so I'm just preparing us. We're going to, this is going to move into next week, and it might even move into the week after that. Okay, we're going to spend some time on this because this has become very much a, a very strong issue in churches today. Uh, there are, uh, it is, it's become something, and we want to really get to the, get to the heart of this. So what I'm going to do, at least for tonight, and then next week, and probably the week after that, is we're going to break this up into three different headings. Okay, so tonight, we need to, we're going to try to put our minds and be clear as to what the law of Moses really did teach. Okay, so tonight is primarily, what did the law of Moses teach about divorce? Then we're going to find out and try to be, have clarity over what did the Pharisees and scribes teach. So after we know what the law actually said, what did the scribes and Pharisees teach? And then we're going to consider finally and most importantly what the Lord himself was teaching regarding what has happened. Okay? So tonight let's deal with this subject. What did the law of Moses really teach concerning this problem? So we're going to begin by going to the Old Testament. Go back to Deuteronomy 24. And this particular chapter deals with not just divorce or marriage, but it deals with domestic relations. So in other words, if we were to read the entire chapter of Deuteronomy 24, we would be given instruction on even how to deal with servants, how to deal with the poor, uh, how to deal with the fatherless. But in verses 1 through 4, and a little bit into verse 5, it primarily deals with divorce. Now, again, pay close attention to the words that are being used here. Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement 
and giveth, giveth it in her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after that she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now we'll just touch on verse 5. When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year, and shall cheer up his wife, which he hath taken. Now let's hold, hold there for a moment. Okay, now go to Matthew 19, and let's begin in verse number 1. We're going we're to pile a lot of scripture here, which is important, and this is where we want to get this. Matthew 19 is a section that deals primarily with the same subject of teachings on divorce. And, of course, the Pharisees are coming to Jesus in this, and they're asking him the question about the lawfulness of, of putting away a wife. Matthew 19, verse 1, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. All right, so in both of these cases, Jesus himself in Matthew 19, and of course in Deuteronomy, we're dealing with the teaching concerning divorce. In a sense, both of these chapters and these readings give us a perfect summary, but what we really need to think about is look at the original statements that are being made. This is where a lot of this confusion comes in. The first thing I want you to notice is that in the old uh, Mosaic dispensation, or in, back in Deuteronomy 24, if you want to turn back there again, we'll kind of have that for our, have that for our reference. And we'll kind of be going back and forth between these passages. When we think about the, the law it, itself, okay, and, and look at, at again at, at, at Deuteronomy 24, one thing that you should have noticed 
is there is no mention in those five verses of the word adultery. Okay, the word's not mentioned there in Deuteronomy 24. Now, it is mentioned about the bill of divorcement. It's mentioned about her going out and another wife. He can't take her again. Talks about sin, but it does not use the word adultery. Okay, now there's a reason for that. And the reason is this, that under the law of Moses, okay, under the law of Moses, the punishment for adultery was what? Death. Okay? So, in the context of divorce here, in Deuteronomy 24, the word adultery is not being mentioned. They already knew the penalty for adultery was death. Now, this is, this is one of those keys to understanding what's happening here. Anybody under the old law who was found guilty of adultery was stoned to death. So there was absolutely no need to even mention it here in the re- with regard to the domestic relations because it was already understood that the penalty for adultery was death by stoning. So the marriage here had come to an end. Okay, He's talking about a marriage coming to an end, but the end result of a marriage ending in divorce was not being punished by death. Now, that's a very important principle to keep in mind going forward. We may not see this connection so much tonight, but it's important to keep that in mind. The marriage ended, okay, but it, there was no ending of this. The divorce did not end in a punishment by death. Okay? But when we saw in Matthew 5, we see the connection between adultery, okay? We see that happening there. So then what was the object or the purpose of the Mosaic law with regard to divorce? What was, the, what was the purpose of it? Well, we see the answer, not only in Deuteronomy 24, but also when we saw in Matthew 19 and Matthew 5. The whole object of the Mosaic law in this matter, and this is key, was to control divorce. Okay? Now, to control divorce... Because in that day and age, this bill of divorcement, it had become so chaotic. That's what was happening when the law was given. If, if, you, if you go back to Deuteronomy 24 and, and look what it said, the very first phrase. It said, when a man had taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes. It, it, it did not require anything for a husband to just simply say... I am finished with you. Okay? This, this men at that time were so quick to just bid their wives, hey, just be gone, that all it took was for that man to say, I'm done. And that was it. Now, again, Moses was insisting, through the Mosaic Law, was insisting upon a writing of divorcement. Now, at that moment, that writing of divorcement was intended to allow angry passions to cool. It was given in order that if there was a time to think, a time to consider, a time to deliberate, the requirement of the writing was to, certain, to a certain degree to put a check upon something that had become so ingrained in the people that they just simply moved from one to the next and it was absolute chaos. Okay, so what we need to keep in mind is that there was, 
This, this divorce and what was happening by the husbands putting away wives had generally become chaotic. I don't have to tell you that even in those days, men generally had a very low and a very poor view of women in general. And the fact was this, that if a man for any reason whatsoever wanted to get rid of his wife, he just did it. And it did not every frivolous thing. Um, I saw one of the commentators simply said it would not have been uncommon in that day and age, especially when Deuter- in that day of Moses' day, for a husband to do away with a wife because there was too much salt on dinner. Okay, too much of something, or it was frivolous. That the, the man would just say, you know what, that's it, I'm done. So we've got to keep in mind here that there's, there was something happening here as to why when this law was given. Of course, the ultimate cause of a man putting away his wife was because of his own lust, because of his own passion. It's interesting how when Jesus introduces this subject, it's in an immediate connection with the subject that went before it. What did we talk about last week? Temptation. Okay? The, the order in Scripture is not random. We, we talked about temptation last week, and Jesus moves from temptation into divorce. So the primary reason that a man was putting away his wife was not because he, she oversalted dinner. I'm not trying to be irreverent here. It, 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 was, it was something much deeper than that. It was lust. It was, it was his own passions. But he would make up an excuse because he had the freedom to do that, and nobody had a check on it. Okay, so these are, these are some of those background things that are important for us to get. So, in our Bible, these two things are put together, right? There's, there's a connection here. It does remind us that there is this close connection between the two. Lust and divorcement, okay? The Mosaic Law, therefore, was introduced in order to control a situation that was not only chaotic, but quite frankly was completely unfair to women. There's no, there's no question about it. You don't read about a woman putting away a husband, but you do read about the husband putting away the woman. So, think about this for a moment. There were family, remember Deuteronomy 24 is about domestic relations. Sometimes I think we live so in the present, we don't think about the past. There was just as much in that day a wife and children. Okay, there were children that were part of the wife that was put away and that the husband would just, he would basically, he'd put them all out. Okay, so this, this, had, this had circumstances to people, women and children alike. So it really, the Mosaic Law laid down three main principles. The first principle was is that it limited divorce to certain causes. Okay, so that certain cause that we see there back in in Deuteronomy 24, it says, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement. That's what the law said. The law didn't say, hey, just get rid of her for no reason. The law, now the Mosaic law said, some form of uncleanness, okay? So it was only to be permitted when there was some moral defect Okay, something found or discovered in her. 
All those other various excuses, you oversalted dinner, those things that had been brought before were, were now prohibited. You couldn't do that any longer. You can't just say, hey, wife, I'm done with you, be gone. There had to be a reason, and it was of a moral reason. So before, and again, before he could obtain a divorce, the man now had to establish that there was a, a cause a cause that would fall under the title of uncleanness. But not only had there had to be a cause, he had to have proof of it. And the proof had to be established by two witnesses. Okay, now, now you've, you've completely changed the chaos by the law. You've now gone from, hey, be gone, to now I have to have a cause of uncleanness and I have to have two witnesses. Again, this is all the background of what's happening here. So therefore, the Mosaic law, instead of giving a number of excuses for divorce, now puts a severe restraint on it. Okay, It now has dismissed everything frivolous, superficial, unjust, and has restricted it to one particular matter. It falls under the heading of uncleanness. Okay, again, the word adultery is not mentioned in Deuteronomy 24, but the word uncleanness is. Okay, so that's something to keep in mind as we go forward. The second thing that was now added was that any man who divorced his wife must give her a bill of divorcement. Prior to that, there was no bill of divorcement. It was just simply, he just says, be gone. So now there has to be this bill of divorcement. Before the Mosaic Law, a man could simply say, I don't want my wife any longer. He turns her out of the house, and there she was. And this happened. He just turned her out and said, she's at the mercy of the world. I'm finished. Now, the part that a lot of, a lot of history doesn't teach us and a lot of things we don't think about there were many cases where even before that mosaic law came in where a woman was wrongfully charged with unfaithfulness or adultery and were wrongfully stoned to death so there this there was a problem that was happening here so in order to protect that woman that legislation provided that she should be given a bill of divorcement in which that statement was made that she had been dismissed not because of unfaithfulness, but because of one of those reasons which had been discovered. It was meant to protect her, and the bill of divorcement was handed to her in the presence of two witnesses whom she could always call in any case of necessity. So what happened in this was divorce was now made something formal. The intent was to make it more serious and solemn. It was to make it now something that was not just frivolous and it was meant to impress upon the minds of people that this is not something that should be taken lightly. It should also not be something that is done in the heat of the moment. Suddenly, instead of a man now deciding one moment he dislikes his wife and just gets rid of her, in this way what the Mosaic Law was doing, and this is key to where we're going, the seriousness of marriage is now being emphasized. Okay? So there's a lot going on here. 
That third step in that Mosaic legislation was also very significant in that the man who divorces his wife and gives her the bill of divorcement is not allowed to marry her again. Okay? So the case would be like this. A man divorces his wife. He gives her a bill of divorcement. With that bill of divorcement in her hand, she's entitled to marry somebody else. Now the second husband, that's what we were reading in in Deuteronomy 24, The second husband may also, in fact, at some point, may give her a bill of divorcement. The the law of Moses does say that, but if it happens, she is free to get married again, but she cannot marry the first husband. Okay, so she can't, once that bill of divorcement is given, she can't go back to that that first husband. The whole, folks, the whole intent and the whole force and design of this was to make people see that marriage is not something you just simply walk in and out of at will. You don't just decide one day, I just don't think this is going to work. You don't just decide, I don't like the way she cooks, so I'm not, I'm just done. Or maybe that rare day where you're just feeling foul and you just simply say, you know what, I just don't like you today. See, prior to this, that's what was happening. In the heat of the moment, these men were just turning these women out and they were just, they were done with them. Now this formalized it, it put this in how serious it was. Now again, when we're studying this, without having the whole picture, we're going to leave here tonight with questions about what about this and what if this. That's what we're hoping we're going to fill in over the next few weeks because we're going to look now next week at how the Pharisees and scribes took that law and twisted it. Okay, that's what led to some of those questions in Matthew 19 about those bill of divorcements and Jesus deals with the hardness of the heart. And we're going to get into all of that. So when we start to look at it this way under these three headings, we see right away that the old Mosaic law is very far from being what we thought it was. Most of the time when we see this, it's far away from what we even thought it was. Okay, there are aspects of this that many Christians, the first time they actually see Deuteronomy 24, they're a little bit shocked. They're, they're almost like, well, all I've ever seen is Matthew 19, I've seen Matthew 5. But when you go back and actually look at the Mosaic Law of what was happening, it's, it's, it's pretty enlightening as to what's being taught here. So, but especially... Even if there are things about it that it's not exactly what we thought it was, it's especially not what the Pharisees and the scribes made it to be. Again, they knew the law, but they twisted the law to turn it to their own self-interest. But the object of the bill of divorcement, the object of divorce, was to reduce something that had become chaotic. You'll find that all of the characteristics and all the details in the Mosaic law itself. You think about the example of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That was the Mosaic law that had enacted that. But what was the object of it? Was the object not to tell the people that if a man knocked out your eye, go knock out his eye. That wasn't what the intent was. No, the purpose was you're, you're not entitled necessarily to retaliate the same way. You're not entitled to kill a man for that offense. It's, it's, it's meant to restore order to something. 
to keep order, to limit the consequences, to legislate a particular condition or a situation. The law concerning divorce was exactly the same thing. Now, as we'll look at next week, we have to consider what the Pharisees and the scribes taught. Because that's primarily what Jesus is referring to. When he starts correcting this, he's not going back to Deuteronomy 24 and correcting Deuteronomy 24, which we just read. He's correcting the twisting and the the false interpretation made by the Pharisees and the scribes. So, the law of Moses was went as far as it could practically be enforced. So what Jesus begins to deal with with the Pharisees and the scribes is he starts talking about the hardness of their hearts. Now this is going to key to what we get into next week. Divorce was tolerated. Okay, but don't walk away with the idea that it was ever approved. Okay? Now, again, that's where, the, that's where a lot of confusion is going to come in. And again, we have, these, we have these blank spaces now where we don't have this picture together. It was never really meant to be something that was approved. It was meant to be something that was tolerated. But our Lord goes one step further. He forbids divorce except for one crime of infidelity. Okay? He takes it and he says there is this one crime of infidelity. She who commits adultery does by that act and indeed severs the marriage bond. And it should be then formally recognized as being severed. Okay, now that's where, that's where you're going to get this, this, this fork in the road. Okay, you're going to get a lot of people go this way and a lot of people go that way. And again, that's why we need to have the whole picture together before we just kind of jump to a conclusion and say, oh, here's what I think. But remember, the intent was never to treat the marriage lightly. Okay? It, it, the marriage was never meant to be entered into. The why would simply say, if, I, if this just doesn't work out, I can just get out of it. And that's really where, where this is going and where we're heading with this. So let's just finish with, let's just finish with this thought. And we'll talk more about this as we go. There's no question that biblically marriage was meant to be for life. And marriage was meant to be uh, something that was to be maintained. It was not something that was supposed to be uh, easily moved in and out of. Okay, And again, this, this is not meant to be an opinion. And it's not meant to, to enrage anyone. But the Lord himself would not approve even of the way in which divorce is handled in our country to where it pretty much is you can get a divorce for any reason and you can actually use a term that's called irreconcilable differences. Okay, this is, this is not what the Lord is talking about. So there are people who will take this opinion and they'll say, Let's, divorce is okay, the Bible says. It's still regarding, remember, th- there, there is still the... the, the, the how solemn and serious this is supposed to be. And that a woman who divorced for any cause but adultery, again, the Bible's saying very carefully that it's, she's committed adultery before God, whatever the law of man says. Okay, again, we're going to talk a lot about that as we move forward. So 
what we want to make sure we understand is what does God's word say about it? What was, what did the Mosaic law say? And then what did the Pharisees and the scribes, how did they take now what we just talked about tonight and how did they twist that? Okay, so that's, just, that's what we'll deal with uh, next week. All right, so let's conclude with our closing hymn on 148. 148, we'll go ahead and stand as we sing. 148, and we'll close with this hymn and then we'll pray together. 148, Relentless Love.